Welcome back to the Heat Check Podcast. I am your host, Chris Patrick, and joining me today, as always, are my amazing co-hosts. First, we have the king of sake bombs, Michael Benjamin. What up, what up? Fellas, I am no longer a spring chicken. That is the <laughs> least I can say. Had a birthday, and he's starting to feel it. Had a nice uh, steak and chicken dinner last night, and... Uh... Not recovering as quick as he used to. <laughs> but uh, we can't forget to mention also joining us, Zach Davies' marriage counselor, VSP Tallman. <laughs> Welcome back. What is up? I was not successful at my job, apparently. <laughs> Couldn't save that one, uh, could you? No, I could not. Well, it was a lost cause. Maybe you can help him with his uh, pitching career next. No, it, I think that's that, also a lost it's cause. It's going to end up the same yeah, way as his marriage. It is. All right. Well, shoot. <laughs> Well, hopefully uh, the D-backs can get some help. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, we got the trade deadline coming up August 1st. Suns have made some more moves here in the offseason and some news on uh, their TV deal. And then also we're going to talk and lead off here talking about the Arizona Cardinals, Kyler Murray, and all that shenanigans that's been going on. You know, guys, here in the summer... It's a bit of a, a dead time for sports, especially after the MLB All-Star break. Baseball's the only thing going on. And now the Diamondbacks are slumping a little bit. So uh, it's been it's been a tough month of July. So hopefully August brings us some more joy. And then, of course, the NFL regular season starting in September. So plenty to look forward to, plenty to break down here. But guys, I want to go and uh, talk about this first. Uh, this week, I think it was the beginning of this week, we saw the Cardinals come out with another one of their flight plan videos which is just like a, a little mini documentary they put out on their YouTube channel. Excuse me. And this one kind of centered around Kyler Murray and his recovery and rehab and uh, coming back and kind of dove into a little bit of his personal life, a little bit of what his rehab has been like and uh, kind of showed a bit. So I told these guys they had to watch it so we could come in here and talk about it. Uh, Tom, and I'll pass it over to you first. What were your uh, initial takeaways from that flight plan episode? I thought it was great. I think we got to see a different side of Kyler Murray. Um, it was. I think that was kind of what we were expecting to see with the HBO uh, Hard Knocks. Yeah. But then I, I, I can't really speak fully to that because after like four or five episodes, I said, screw this, this is horrible. I'm not watching this anymore. Um, after they withheld a lot of uh, juicy details, I said, this is just not worth it. So maybe they, maybe Kyler had more exposure. I have no, I have no idea. Um, but it seemed like how it started off, we thought that Kyler would be like the main focus point. But it was awesome seeing, uh, what was it, 20 minutes long? Something like that. Yeah, right it was like, that. so it was 20 minutes of just him going through his rehab. Um, so that was good. I mean, he looks like he's in good shape. Um, I felt like it was, he was either getting rubbed down by a trainer or, or getting a haircut <laughs> the whole time. Um, <laughs> I think both, honestly. I think yeah. both of those things happened. Uh, well, no, it was it was good. It was it's promising. I think at the end, I know we're probably gonna really pick apart uh, the last minute of that video. Um, him saying that he would like to be back at the beginning of the season for game one. Um, but overall, I mean, I it was good. I mean, you got to see what our franchise quarterback, how he acts, who he is, how he is going through this recovery. So I, I didn't mind it at all. I thought it was great. I, I would agree with that. I think it definitely showed, uh, I mean, at least he's talking the talk of having grown up a little bit. I know he, he made like a passing little joke comment about everyone thinks I'm a professional Call of Duty player. I love that part. And I thought that was, that was pretty good. And, and his explanation was fair. I know I've, I've been 
extremely critical of him on that aspect of it but he really just said it's a way for him to stay in touch with his friends who are playing all over the country and they can come together online and unwind playing some cod i mean at the end of the day we all do the same thing that's what we do yeah Yeah, exactly exactly but it's just it's tough the optics of it are just so tough when you when you lose a game and then within two three hours you're on your twitch live stream like it's one thing to play with your friends but then another thing to jump on a live stream and do it and whether that's fair or not i guess is a different conversation and don't need to go down that rabbit hole again but Mike I'll, I'll ask you the same question like what were your takeaways and do you think that it made Kyler more likable more likable I would say so I mean I always love seeing more of a candid view of our favorite players and you know our mainstays for each of our teams and you know Tallman hit it right on the head I think it was a lot more candid than anything we got during hard knocks And, you know, it really showed the human side of Kyler Murray at the end of the day, you know, talking about how it was his first time really going through a severe type of injury like this, basically in his life. And, you know, your psyche can go so many different ways. And it seems like he is in a good place right now, you know, not only with his rehab, but just his mental state and pushing forward and knowing that he has to come back stronger than he was, right? Because the progression for Kyler Murray is he needs to take those jumps in his game. He needs to take the next level mm-hmm. for this team to be successful. So, man, I I was very impressed with his ability to kind of open up about, you know, just all that kind of stuff, reading the room, talking and having some dialogue about the video game stuff as well. You know, it shows that you know, these athletes, man, they're they're tuned in. The age of social media, it's not like these guys don't know what's going on or what's being said about them. So to take it head first and it kind of explain himself is good as well. But I I really hope this kid can come back in in a fast form. But we also don't want to you know sh- stretch him too thin. Like yeah. He's got to be healthy. We just have too much of a capital investment in him. And now I would say I have a little bit more emotional investment in Kyler Murray as well because I like the kid. He seems grounded. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's cute. So long-winded answer, Chris. Yes, I, I would say that it definitely helped some people who might have been against Kyler Murray, you know, kind of turn to the light, I guess. Yeah, and I'll say that for myself. I'm in that camp for sure where, like I said, I've been highly critical of Kyler's on and off the field, whatever. I don't know if antics is the right word, but just demeanor maybe. But I, I'm definitely buying more into Kyler. And it's really like you you touch on not wanting to rush him back and having it be a healthy timetable because in theory, this guy's going to be our franchise quarterback for at least the next five years, half a decade. And how often, I mean, more so recently, but how often have we seen star players, like quote unquote star players, want to be here and be in the Valley? And it seems like he does want to be an Arizona Cardinal. Uh, you, you mentioned also him hearing all the noise and kind of like DeAndre and he hears the hate. All these players, they're they're tuned in. They know what's going on. And it's it's got to be tough, man. I mean, going through that whole contract negotiation, there's all these talking heads like and guys like us being critical, saying things when it maybe not was maybe it wasn't being led by him. Probably wasn't. It was probably more so his agent and his family and his whole camp kind of leading the negotiations there. But then obviously the Call of Duty criticisms and other things like that where he's dealt with all that criticism from even his own some of his own teammates former and and present 
Um, and the fact that he still has a pretty solid head on his shoulders and seems to have a good mentality about it. I know there have been a couple people who honestly said like Kyler needed this. I mean, an injury sucks. It's it's a major setback, but it almost kind of gave him a reset where he's able to ground himself, do some reflecting, not having to focus on the football stuff quite as much to where in theory, it looks like he might be in a, in a better place. And, and when he does come back, hopefully he's ready to fire on all cylinders. You know, new offense, I think that's one of the biggest question marks right now is what kind of, uh, you know, situation is he going to put be put in with Gannon and uh, the OC? Who Who is that guy again? Um, anybody know? Oh, the Browns quarterback coach. Um, God. Drew Petzing? Or is he the defense? No. I think Drew is defense. Drew's defense. Well, one of you guys pull it up here while I'm sorry. while we I keep chatting. Oh, you hit, you nailed it, and I said <laughs> it was no, Drew Petzing. Yeah, ah. Pet- yeah, Drew Petzing. All right. Well, okay. So Drew is again an, a young guy getting his first chance in an OC position. Maybe that'll be good. He he will be able to maybe collaborate with Kyler a little more rather than just having Cliff come down with the iron fist and say like this is the way it's going to be. Uh, but regardless, I would love to see Kyler back week one if he's ready. But at the same time. It doesn't so much. It still doesn't so much seem like we have a roster built for success. I mean, in all these power rankings, all these preseason rankings, the Cardinals and their players are still coming in middle to bottom of the pack there, and it's just that's why I'm kind of in the camp of not rushing him back. But at the same time, it's more or less a prove it year. The Cardinals and this new regime, if you want to call it that, need to know what they have in Kyler Murray, especially when we're facing the potentiality if that's a word, of having the first round pick next season. And do we take another quarterback, get rid of Kyler? Those are a lot of tough questions that are going to be asked here. Um, while we're still talking about the flight plan episode, though, what do you think of uh, Kyler Murray's dad on that that episode? Was it Mr. Kevin Murray? Um, <laughs> obviously, he's still a big part of Kyler's life, which, hey, no problem at all. I mean, he's a proud dad, right? Um, he wants to see his, his child succeed and, but you could tell, what was it? Uh, they're throwing the ball out back Yeah, and the producer or whatever asked, uh, Kevin Murray, you know, how many times do you guys do this every day? We do it every day. So, yeah. but what that really is really showing us is, I mean, think about this kid's upbringing. Like it, it seems like he's that type of dad, that parent that's like, Hey, this is all you're going to do. You're going to play uh football you're gonna play baseball right and then he even went uh kyler even explained it too remember how he said he's never really taken a vacation before yeah you know he's like yeah or even like if uh his his club football team had to travel oh no well he can't go or do anything because he's got to go play baseball or he can't go they can't go on a family vacation because he's either playing football or baseball yeah so it just speaks to like the kids had a sheltered life man and I think that's that's a huge part of uh, us sitting here and debating his leadership skills and his maturity because he's come out and I mean he's well he's a multi multi millionaire right he's had like what we're experiencing this type of sheltered life you know and how do you grow and be super mature? When you have a dad like that, that's just maybe overbearing. That might be the wrong word. That might be a bad way to describe his father-son relationship, which I don't want to sound bad. It sounds like he cared. Dude cared, right? But, oh, for sure. Man, he's he's definitely a part of that. He's definitely a huge part of that kid's life. 
And I call him a kid when he's not really. He's an adult. <laughs> it's all uh, it's all about a perspective, right? But I totally agree. Like that's one thing I wrote down right away is Kyler Murray's dad. I, I wrote overly intense football dad. Like I, I keep the. I always think in my brain there was this kid I went to school with, elementary and middle school. I think also also high school. I'm not going to mention his name here, but he played soccer. And I remember he had one of those like overly intense sports dads where like when all the other kids were out having fun with their friends on a Friday night, I would I would drive by the elementary school and his dad had like 30 soccer balls and just having him kick soccer balls over and over again. That kid ended up being a great middle school soccer player. I think he played a little bit in high school, but then he fizzled out. He didn't want to do it anymore. Like great talent, talented kid, but he just his heart wasn't in it. His dad's heart was in it. And Mike, you're around youth sports a lot. So you probably see some of this like it's a pretty fine line, right? Between being a supportive parent versus maybe living vicariously through your kids and their sports dreams and I feel like sometimes it's hard to really stick within the median right because you don't want to push your kid too much to make them hate the sport or want to get out of it but you also if you do have goals or more specifically it has to be if your kid has the goals to pursue playing you know even at the high school level you do want to give them those opportunities you know to you know, go in clinics, play in, you know, travel teams, do all the right things. So they're prepared at a level to do that. Uh, it's funny, man. When he started talking, I was like, Oh, was he in the army in the past? Like, do we know that? Was he, a, <laughs> was he a drill sergeant? Like I got that vibe immediately. I don't think he was. He was intense though. Like in his yeah, eyes he like, was. every day, he was. every day, every day he was, but you know, I can never, you know, I'm never going to speak down on somebody who's, you know, a father figure who's a, a critical piece of somebody's life. And it's led to the success that Kyler Murray has seen within his life, not only on the football field, but, you know, he was a great baseball player as well. Like we know mm-hmm. that he was drafted by the Oakland A's and had an opportunity to go there as well. But well, his dad was drafted, then will be too, by the Brewers. Oh, there you go. I think one of the. 1982. One one of my other favorite things too, which, you know, hopefully his dad will be able to kind of guide him within his focus as well, because, you know, leadership can come in different ways, and it's the people who are backing you're backing in your corner that are going to create you to be the best leader as well. But, you know, when he was talking about all the success that he's had within his football life, right? You know, undefeated in high school winning the Heisman at Oklahoma, you know, making, you know, the final four and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the the trajectory that the Cardinals were going, we knew, he knew that when he came into the league being the number one pick that it was going to take some time, but we were going the right way and to hit that wall and fall back down really in a tremendous fashion. I, he seems to have the right mindset to understand that the bounce back has to happen and it has to happen fast. Or else yeah. there's repercussions that come with that when you're, you know, the headliner. So that was also one of my favorite things from the flight plan to to understand that he he reads the room and he seems like he wants to be accountable, which is what you need in leadership at the end of the day. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. It seems like he's ready to grow, grow up, I guess is the easiest way to put it, and maybe finally become that leader. There's been those conversations had about, like you're saying, he used to win at every level. He's used to being a winner and then coming to a, let's be honest, not such a great Cardinals team and and struggling 
through his first handful of seasons at this point. I mean, you almost forget how long he's been in the league, and he didn't react well to losing. He wasn't used to it, um, but now it seems like hopefully he's settled in, and I can't stress enough. Uh, I mean, if you watch that video, it just seems like his head is on straight now, so if this is a new Kyler that's ready to go mentally and physically, I, I expect big things out of him, but like we are saying, it's it's make or break here. I mean, last thing while we're talking about Kyler, I want to ask you, Tallman, do you think if, say, Kyler comes back week five, week six, and has like a, a 10 games this season, if he does as good or worse than he has in the past, do you consider moving on from him at the end of the season? I mean, you have to. Uh, he's, I mean, you'd be a fool to say he's not playing for his future right now. I, I mean, am I wrong with, with that assessment? I, I don't know. Maybe that's just my opinion. Uh, but then there's also that that piece in there. Oh, well, he hasn't. He didn't have a full season, or this, or uh, also they're clearly not trying to win. So is it fair to just assess him on this season only when it's going to be partial, a partial season? We already know that. But I, I think you have to have those conversations. That question's going to be asked in the front office. It's going to be. It has to be. If it's not, then we have the wrong guys in that seat. I mean, this is a business. Yeah. And then, yeah, you paid the guy so much money, but maybe that was a poor business decision, right? It's still a business, right? You owe it to this to this uh, this fan base. You can't... If he's not the guy, you got to figure out that sooner rather than later. It's... NFL is the what have you done for me lately, right? It stands for not for long. So if he's not going to be there, he's not going to be the guy, then you got to move on. Whether you got to whether you owe him a big bag or not. So it's it's this is going to be a crucial year for him. And if he comes in if he has if if he's steady and he has you know decent production like we've seen from him, he's going to be fine. If he comes in and just absolutely shits the bed, then there's going to be some loud rumblings in that front office. And that first pick is going to be huge. I, I, I again, I, I hate to say it, but I agree with you. Like, you have to explore all options. You owe it to this fan base. You owe it to the organization, whether you're Monty Austin for or Steve Kime, not Steve Kime, I'm sorry, um, Michael Bidwell. Fuck that guy. Excuse me. <laughs> yeah, I wish I had made He's his- over here talking shit on podcasts. I don't know if you guys saw that. I Fuck did, Steve yeah. He was- sorry. He's, He's back there. Way. No, you're good. He was back there with his AirPod headphone quality on professional podcasts yeah, again. what the hell? Gotta love it. It's He's got millions of dollars, man. Truly, Figure it out. Truly incredible. He can't afford a $40 God. snowball mic off Amazon, but... Besides the fact, not talking Probably about that burner phone. Time. Yeah, yeah, he's calling oh, in from his burner phone, Jesus. Uh, yeah, no, but I, I agree with Tallman. Uh, Kyler has to prove it this year, and maybe they give him the excuse of, oh, partial season, not set up for success. I mean, Mike, would that be justification to let him go through the 24-25 season at that point? Mm. <laughs> nah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I'm still at the point, man. Like, you're coming off a major injury. I I would want to make sure that he goes through an entire offseason healthy and then come back and see really where your product is on the field. But I do agree with you guys. Like, he's got to come in, Right. He's got to be efficient throwing the football. He's got to cut back down on turnovers. Hopefully start to trim back some of those batted balls down at the line of scrimmage. That's by oh, yeah. you know moving your eyes and getting out of the pocket a little bit more. 
starting to add the wheels back because we know it's going to take some time before he comes back to form with that. But, you know, if he comes back week six, by week 17, week 18, I'm hoping that he is in the form before his injury at that point. And if he's not, that might be a little bit scary. But I'm under the impression that I think you got to give him a full offseason health-wise because then we're also going to be completely retooled next year. We already know this with all the draft capital and all these young promising guys hopefully next year that we'll be able to bring in. But he's just got to be efficient. He's got to start taking those next steps like we keep saying. And I'm not saying he has to come in and win most improved player of the year. But he's got to keep the Cardinals in some games. You know, He's got to give us opportunities to win. And if he can do that, I don't think you have to look in a different direction when it comes to the number one pick if we do have that next year. Without a doubt. I mean, you can't win it all by yourself as the quarterback. You're a major part in the success of a team, but I, I like what you said there. He has to keep us in games. We like make it to where the defense loses us games and not our offense. And as long as Kyler is running the offense, doing everything that's asked of him, like you're saying, cutting down those batted balls, then I think you do give him another chance. But if he comes back and he's just the same player not getting the job done, then I think you really do have to take a long, hard look and see what kind of deal might be out there to make. I I just, with that price tag, I mean, I'm sure there's a team that would take a chance on him. Uh, It's way too soon to say. I mean, there's a whole season left to be played, but I think getting Kyler back out there this season and letting him go would be, like letting him loose to go and try and prove himself would be the best option. But Tallman, mentioning the the Cardinals future and that it is going to be huge with all this draft capital we have but right now ESPN came out with a power rankings of NFL team's future talent and guess where the Cardinals ranked dead last dead last you didn't even have to see it you just knew I mean come on they're dead last in every list that's created we're also in list season where all they can do is create list power rankings this and that Um, I'm not surprised by that at all I mean, are, oh. look at look at the roster on paper. It's the worst I think I've ever seen it. Well, recently, ever seen it recently? Excuse <laughs> yeah, me. It's pretty rough. Uh, but I just want to add something. Uh, do you guys hear about Kyler Murray being linked to the Vikings? Oh, in like a trade scenario? Yeah, blockbuster trade. Like recently, like that yeah. could happen this season. Yeah. I'm only doing if we get Justin Jefferson back. Oh, right. Come on, <laughs> you know that's not gonna happen. <laughs> Uh, Vikings linked to potential blockbuster trade for Kyler Murray, July 14, 2023. Oh, man. Ooh, well, I mean, that's just... Again, That's it's that that build-up to the season. It's the, what can we drum up to get people excited get clicks, for the start yeah. of the season? I mean, what, do we get Kirk Cousins in that I, situation? I don't know. Oh, my good Lord. <laughs> and we're definitely drafting a quarterback you like in the first that? round. You like that? I, I Shoot. I, <laughs> I mean, hate if, that. Uh, what are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm... I'm very uh I'm on the edge about that kid. I'd rather have know. Clayton Toon than Kirk Cousins. I probably would too. I'm, I'm in agreement with you. Well, and then the but, issue with Kirk Cousins though is he has the stigma. He can't win in the playoffs, right? He yeah. just cannot win in the playoffs. And what does Tallman do for one of the biggest bets we have last stop year it. while in no, Vegas? Stop he it. picks the Vikings to beat the Giants, and that was the only one. It was a we close missed. game. It was, the last it was a close uh, game. But that should have been the easiest of picks because you know you don't pick Kirk Cousins in the playoffs. Yeah, you got to go with history on that one. That's that's a bad break. That's tough. 
Yeah, I don't know. I'm not surprised. You're right, Tallman. Like, there's all these lists and opinion pieces coming out and wild trade speculation. I don't think Kyler's going to be moved before they get a chance to really no. see what they have. Unless we would get a Justin Jefferson, but then you get, you have Justin Jefferson on your roster. Who's going to throw him the ball? Exactly. Clayton Toon. Clayton Toon. I'm going way back to what Mike said. I If I had to bet, I would bet that he's not gone after the season. They're going to give him that whole offseason to go through. But just me being the imp- impatient Arizona fan that I am, I would want to see some action now. I would, If he came in and was terrible, I want to see us bring in a huge prospect like Caleb Williams, right? How exciting would that be? That would give us a buzz that we haven't had since we were, what, 10-2 and two, two seasons ago? How exciting was that, right? So recently it's just been so bland. It's just been failure after failure after failure, leadership mm-hmm. failures, performance failures, right? Uh the young talent. Sorry, we totally derailed your question. I, I oh, apologize. It all ties together. Um, to think of the only young person on our team that I'm excited about is Paris Johnson. I mean, yeah, no, I, I'm right there with you. But it's I, like all the other they they drafted a bunch of people hurt players. <laughs> You're not hyped for Michael Wilson. <laughs> no, <laughs> I. You guys know my he. He played 13 games in college. Hey, but they and were he good. Was, there was a good 13 games. He went to Stanford. No, the only reason he got drafted, I think, in the third round. Was it third round or s- third round? Second round? Mm. I don't know. See, that's how third much round. I, third we round. Third round. We took yeah, Ogilari third. in the yeah, second round. It was the only reason, because he had a good game in the uh, or uh, in the senior bowl or whatever. That's a thing, right? Senior bowl? That sounds right. Yeah, so he had, he had a great game, and then that really shot him up on the draft board. That's the only reason he got drafted. The one thing that scares me the most... 13 games at Stanford. That sucks. But what scares me is like you can we can have all this draft capital. We can go through offseason, and even if we crush it in the draft, make some trades, there's no guarantee that these young players are going to help us win right away. I mean, especially not right away. So are we looking at two, three years before the Cardinals have a competitive roster again? I don't think so, man. I think the NFL game with roster building is so different comparative to other sports. I mean... Guys are switching teams left and right every single year. It's really crazy. I think the biggest thing when it comes down to it at the end of the day is the leadership and the coaching staff that you have in and the plan that you have for the players that are on your team. It's not just, this is my plan, figure out a way to do it. You have to be able to look at your roster, look at what guys do best, and tailor your game plan to that. I mean, we can go to this list. The Cardinals are ranked dead last. You know why? Because Steve Kime was fucking around the last five, six seasons with the Cardinals, getting DUIs, getting suspended, not doing his damn job correctly, and completely botching the draft for the last half decade to the point where our one of our highest draft picks doesn't even get optioned for his freaking fifth year in Isaiah Th- uh, I was going to say Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> I always say Isaiah I, Thomas I when it's Isaiah anyway. Yeah. With Isaiah Simmons because we don't know where to play him. And now it sounds like they finally kind of have some kind of plan to see if he's going to be a future of this team. I think so he's listed as a cornerback. And I think they're going to give him some opportunity at safety. Or I might safety, be wrong, yeah. but dude, that was he was the worst in coverage. He couldn't cover anybody. What are they doing? Well, it it depends if you're one on one matchups. We know that he struggled against the tight end, but if you put him in a zone, he is a that was supposed to be a special and a high flyer. So 
it, once again, it depends how you tailor the game plan to the assets that you have. That's why you drafted him with the eighth overall pick to cover the tight end because we got burnt a season before. But bad yeah. by the tight end. I mean, we have the bottom of the list prospects. Who? Where was this rankings? Where did it come from? ESPN. Okay. Um, you know, and guys, here's the last thing. I guess I can tie it back into this list as well. I think we might know who was one of the main culprits, if not the main culprit, to the dysfunction with the Cardinals the past couple of years by his freaking media tour just to stay in relevance from Steve Kime. Yeah, he's out there going on those podcasts. He was the he, problem. He's talking about the Cardinals like, oh, oh, this and that. Dude, you were a part of that problem. You created know, this it's, problem. It's, it's the craziest thing. It's like, like take some we, responsibility. That's what I'm saying. What are we you talk doing? about Kyler Murray and finally him stepping into a leadership role, recognizing that he has to take accountability for himself. And he Steve, shut up. Steve Kime is just on a tour talking about how we can't figure out how it was dysfunction and all these things were done wrong and whatever. It's like, well, Steve, didn't you have a huge <laughs> involved part in everything? With that, like you, you were the captain of that wild, ship, man. Like, wild, man. Yeah, when they asked him, I know we're we're giving Steve Kime way too much time right now. Uh, but <laughs> well, because they, they it'll be the last damn time, time yeah. we ever talk about Steve Kime. <laughs> they they so asked get him it that out question. Right they said, "Do you regret not picking Nick Bosa instead of Kyler?" And then he came out and said, "No, not at all, because Kyler Murray saved my job." He literally. Do you remember that? And then he refers to him as the little quarterback. <laughs> Oh he's, man, that is just yeah. He's disrespectful. He's a, he's a different breed, man. Dude, Kime had so long. He had so many opportunities, and he rode on like two or three decent signings and and a few decent decisions he made here and there. And then the last three four years of his time with the Cardinals, he just completely sputtered out. Couldn't assemble a team to save his life. Was too busy getting blasted on a Saturday night and getting. DUIs on Fry Road or whatever, like pulling God. a Michael Floyd. <laughs> him and oh him and Michael Floyd were out there. hanging out. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. But I'm, enough time. Time. Uh, the last NFL Cardinals semi-related topic I wanted to talk about was after all of the ordeal and drama surrounding it, DeAndre Hopkins has finally decided to sign with the winning quarterback team he always wanted. The Tennessee Titans and Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> what a clown. Dude, honestly, what a fucking joke. He goes off about wanting to play for a competitor, play for a good quarterback, yada, 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 and then just ends up taking the money anyway and signing with Tennessee. Like, I get they they still have Derrick Henry. Tannehill is serviceable at best. No, they got um the Will Levis kid in the oh, draft. Oh, even better. But I, I don't believe in him. What he went to? Camp. Did he go to Kentucky? No. Yeah. No. I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah, right. Kentucky. That okay. Right. Say with your chest. <laughs> Kentucky. But yeah, he. I guess uh, the Patriots had offered him like fifteen million for the for the one season, and what the Titans did is they gave him a two year deal worth twenty six million with the opportunity to work it up to thirty two million in incentives. Um, goals for receptions, receiving yards, and touchdowns. If he gets. 10 touchdowns in a season, he'll get a million-dollar bonus. Which, I mean, I guess good for him. You know, get your money. You're never going to win a Super Bowl. Um, not saying you had a better chance of doing that on the Cardinals, but are the Titans that much better than the Cardinals? I wouldn't say so. I mean, they're above the rank. They're above <laughs> us listed in the rankings for in many rankings. promising talent and whatnot. But, you know, hey... You reap what you sow, man. I think it was one of those situations where 
yeah, he got his money, but you know, like you said, man, good luck. Like I, I, I feel like somebody like DeAndre Hopkins at this point, like he was kind of saying, would want to go to a winner and have a chance to make a push within the playoffs and possibly go and get himself a ring. And I don't think the Tennessee Titans are anywhere near ready to fight. You know, they could win their division. I know they've been pretty decent over the past couple of seasons, but you know, you still got to get through the Chiefs. It's it's odd, man. And I know there's a lot of narrative right now that's going on with the running backs and how, you know, it is basically a dead zone for everybody going back with Saquon Barkley. Guys don't the teams don't want to invest in running backs anymore and they don't want to pay them. And I know D-Hop had some comments about that as well. So he's trying to keep high-profile wide receivers getting paid. I get that. But wouldn't you want to help yourself set your legacy a little bit more by going for a true contender mm-hmm. and taking a little bit less money? I know you got to set yourself up for your future, but the dude has made a lot of cash, people. He's perfectly he set He has up. made a lot of cash. But I don't know his the inner workings of DeAndre Hopkins. I guess I wish him luck. It's fine. They're in the AFC, so I don't really give a shit what happens <laughs> over there. But interesting to say the least Opie fails miserably <laughs> i'm sorry uh just i this is a guy at one point i bought his damn jersey and that was the uh tom when you buy everybody's jersey <laughs> that, was the, talking that was the worst investment of my football fan career um it wasn't david johnson no, because I sold that to you. Damn it. Oh, that's right. Bummer. Actually, that was my worst I think that one, that one was a gift. That's right. Um, oh, I paid you for that jersey. No, no. I mean, it was a gift to me. So you technically, made money. I, I that, was the best, that was the, be- profited the best jersey that. investment he um, ever had. But when I think of DeAndre Hopkins, I think of somebody that is just deserves zero time in my brain. He's a waste of my breath anytime we discuss him. All he cares about is dollar signs, dollar signs, dollar signs. And that's that's it's extremely obvious, right? Yeah. He's not a team player. He's me, 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 me. And he talks this whole game of, oh, I want to build my legacy, build my legacy, build my legacy. I I dude, I honestly I if we didn't talk about him ever again, I would be a happy camper. We, so he can go over I mean, what the, I just looked it up. The Titans were seven and ten last year. Wow. What do they expect to do? The only thing you could possibly spin it around is they're in a winnable division. Well, obviously, D-Hop is just going to make them that much better. Oh, right? yeah, it's right. going to get them over yeah, the Yeah, because Monday through Thursday, he's not going to practice or do anything. <laughs> I just He's just the worst. He's a cancer in the locker room. He's not a team guy. He doesn't care about anyone around him. No, no. Yeah, I'm. I'm glad he's gone. And this and the way on his exit out, he couldn't help us at all. He couldn't uh, renegotiate his contract, adjust it to help us facilitate some type of trade, or so something. that we could bring down some of the money, so we could trade him where he wanted to go. Yeah. No, he just again dollar signs, dollar signs is all he cares about. You know, it's a beautiful thing all about this though, Tallman. Is I know that we're in the dead zone period. We're in the we're in a tough time when it comes to not only Valley sports but sports in general, right? But football is less than a month away, and then we get to talk about whatever Dude. nonsense is going to come with the current Arizona Cardinals. And we won't have to talk about Steve Kime 
and we definitely won't have to talk about DeAndre Hopkins anymore. Yes, we can talk about other dysfunction. We can talk about Clayton <laughs> Toon, starting quarterback. Yeah, and I was going to say, Talman, don't worry. I think this is the last time we're going to talk about DeAndre Hopkins. I no, think I'm sure we'll we'll have to monitor how yeah, the season we'll, goes. We'll have to do our, our D-Hop check-in and see how it's and, going. And if it's bad, I will definitely be making some comments. <laughs> Over, under, on touchdowns for him this year. Talman, what do you got? What's the line? I hope it's under 10. Ooh, I'll go f- six and a half. Ooh. Is that, that you didn't is really that friendly? S- so, so over six, but less than seven. Correct. Okay. Do you think? Do you think it's going to be seven more than? No, I, I think that's probably about accurate. He'll probably have five or six touchdowns. Uh, I mean, the, what? I mean, he's got to really be like open. I feel like anything near the goal line, they're just going to pound it in with Derrick Henry. But I don't know, man. I just, I just do. I agree. I think it's completely hilarious. Uh, ever since Hard Knocks, when he was standing there whining to the wide receivers, coach, do you think I'm going to make the Hall of Fame? Coach, do I have a good career? Am I good at football, oh, coach? Yeah. It's you're like, the best. You're the best, D-Hop. And then just, oh, yeah, D-Hop. You, you're so good, man. You're the best you're wide awesome. receiver that ever wide received. You you're can just, marry my daughter. I, I, that wide receiver. <laughs> that wide receiver. So, yeah, I'm, I'm done. I'm done caring about DeAndre Hopkins. And yeah. I just, oh, we laugh, laugh him right out the door. Uh, the Hall of Fame game is in 11 days. <laughs> Holy shit. Who's playing oh, that? Uh, Jets, and I didn't read the rest of it. Oh, so only the best teams. Yeah, so. yeah. Because, you know, um, well, Aaron Rodgers is not going to play it. He's not going to sniff the field on that one. Um, Browns and the Jets. Nice. Can't wait to see that one. Hey, we're going to see a Browns game this year. Yes, we are. It should be fun. But I want to switch gears here a little bit. Uh, we've talked a lot about the Cardinals and DeAndre Hopkins and uh, Steve Kime. So let's let's shift it up a little bit and talk about the Phoenix Suns, another team that's in their offseason period right now. And it's been a pretty exciting past month with all the moves, all the wheeling and dealing James Jones and Matt Ishbia and Isaiah Thomas are doing. And the most recent, we talked about it a little bit on uh, the Heat Check podcast last month, but there have been some uh, updates since then, some more moves made. The Suns have gotten rid of Cameron Payne, traded to the San Antonio Spurs, along with a second-round pick and some cash. I think we got a second-round pick back in that one, and then a handful of second-round picks from the Orlando Magic. Um, probably uh, muddying up the details of that a little bit, but that's not the important part. The important part is we also signed... Bobol, who was a free agent and a lot of hype around his free agency and signing with the Suns. There's plenty of highlight tapes out there on the internet of Bobol looking like a perennial all-star. But we know, if you're tuned in enough, that he is a role player at best on his best day. So I want to temper expectations there. It's very exciting when you got a guy who, what is he, like 7'4", 7'5"? Yeah, he's 7'4". The lankiest motherfucker I've ever seen in my life, man. <laughs> He's a big, lanky boy, for sure. Of course, son of Manute Bull, who was a NBA great. Rest in peace. Legend. What? Was he just like... Ah, fuck, I don't know what to name him. Ah, just give him the same name as his last name. I don't know. He's from Sudan. He's Sudan- Sudanese. Um, I know they... I'm not going to get into that, Tom. Don't bait me with that I shit. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was just gonna say it's like when guys are named like on his name. when guys are named like Muhammad Muhammad. I'm sure it's like it's no, probably normal in their culture. Yeah, in yeah, we're just, definitely we're just normal. so American and uncultured. Yeah, it's like if yeah. you were Talman Talman. Yeah, hey, <laughs> you never know. What, what about that? Uh, but no, bull bull. Uh, there's been uh, some varied reactions uh, from around the league. Two 
two former NBA players in particular had very different opinions. Uh, Tim Hardaway Sr. said Bol Bol is better than Victor Wembanyama. He's more ready to play at the NBA level and play more physically than Wembanyama. Of course, he is the number one draft pick. Okay, so Bol Bol is 7'2". Uh, but we did a good pair of sneakers. He might be like seven three. <laughs> How are you seven two two twenty? That's scary. Sorry. Well, hey, that's <laughs> man, that's that's Holmgren, that's Weminyama. They're they're skinny boys. Uh, but back to back to this bowl bowl thing. And uh, yeah, I said there, Tim Hardaway Senior said bowl is better than Wemby. And then Gilbert Arenas came out and said bowl bowl will not help the Phoenix Suns at any capacity, and will just be they maybe got him because he's big and can take up a lot of space on the bench and keep it nice and warm. Uh, but Mike, I'll, I'll pass it over to you first. Like, what was your re- initial reaction to the Bull Bull signing? It's funny because I do think it's a good signing at the end of the day. But with all the moves that the Phoenix Suns have made this off season, including their free agent signings, like this, and this was the most recent one to happen. Yeah. It might have been honestly at the bottom of the list because there was just so much other craziness going on with the Bradley Beal trade, signing all of these five six-year vets who are still young who should be pretty good contributors for this phoenix suns team um but i like it i mean is he going to be a part of the playoff rotation when it comes down to it time will tell um i think he'll be given an opportunity i think that backup uh, center position is going to be you know between him and drew eubanks so we'll see you know who has flashes more within this season and who just fits better with the top three guys. That's what it's going to come down to. But, you know, he's going to have an opportunity to play. There's no doubt about it. And, you know, I, I, I wish campaign. Well, I wish him good tidings, you know, San Antonio Spurs with Victor Wembenyama, it's still going to be a work in progress. So I don't know how successful of a season they're going to have. But Cam's going to have an opportunity to play over there, I think, with Trey Jones, if I'm not mistaken. Sounds right. Um, so it was the biggest thing is the not only the changing of the guard, right? You could say it in multiple ways, but this this team is just different. They're looking for a different defensive strategy, especially within this guard position. And it sounds like they really want to give a good look to Jordan Goodwin. I mean, the guy played in what? one or two summer league games and they shut him down basically saying yep that's it this You're is our guy this yep. is our guy so you know that made campaign expendable and i think like tallman said it still opens up another roster spot so the suns still have some more flexibility to bring in you know one more piece to get eyes on and see if they can be a contributor but like the bull bull signing time will tell like everything we know so yeah, and I, I think there's a lot of people that are writing Bol Bol into the starting lineup. Uh, these fantasies of DeAndre Ayton playing more of a power forward role, much like he did in college. And that could be more suitable to his game. But for my money, I still need Ayton as the starting center with all the talent we have that could fill in around him there in those other capacities. I expect Bol Bol to be 15 to 25 minutes a night type of guy if he can really be a contributor off the bench. Um, of course, we do have some other guys. Um, who is the white guy we got from Toronto that's supposed to get some good minutes? Eubanks? Yeah, He's yeah, from yeah. Portland. Drew Eubanks. Drew Eubanks. Oh, Portland. Excuse me. My bad. <laughs> white guy. <laughs> ah, it kind of narrows it down on the Suns roster, doesn't it? But I, I like what you said there about uh, Goodwin having a good uh, summer league. Uh, another guy that had a pretty good appearance in summer league was Tumani Kamara, our, our second-round pick this season. Do you think... 
I, I, I'll get you involved, Tom, and don't worry, but I got to pick Michael Benjamin's brain here. Do you think Kamara could sniff the floor this season? I mean, he could, man. I think anything is on the table, right? Um, sorry, folks, I'm not really giving you a definitive answer, but he's <laughs> he showed himself and he did what you're supposed to do if you make a summer league team and you are drafted, even if, you, if you're a second rounder, right? You're supposed to be one of the better guys on the floor and make an impact. And he did that for the Suns pretty much in every game that he played. And I like his size. I like his defensive strengths. And he showed he could put the ball in the bucket as well. Rebounds at a decent clip. I mean, who knows, guys? Like, this team could be molly-whopping teams left and right. So they're going to be able to go 12-13 deep in games. And, you know, guys who we really didn't think were going to get minutes at all are going to have opportunities. Like, I think at this point with the amount of signings, and I know we still have Ish Wainwright on the team, but I don't think he's going to play really whatsoever or be a part of the rotation unless it is in killed games. Like, we're just absolutely dominating people. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He's he's not Frank Vogel's guy like he was with Monty Williams, where Monty would give him stretches to play more than... Honestly, he probably deserved, but you just never know. And... I know the Suns are high on him, and I think they also have to be high on him because of the cap space hit. And you, the real thing about this, guys, is that we have to make those kind of guys work moving forward with the way that we're going to have to structure this team. So if you can find a diamond in the rough in the second round, later second round, give them opportunities to grow and then become a key piece of your team, you got to try at this point. Yeah, and I agree. You got to find those guys that are, like you said, I think you said they're the diamonds in the rough because you're right. For the next, I think, five, six, ten years, maybe we're going to be drafting late first round or second round with all the picks we've have stockpiled, having traded all those first rounders as pick swaps and, and however that ends up looking like. Uh, so, I, yeah, I agree with you. He's going to be a guy that comes off the bench when we're, you know, blowing people out or, God forbid, if we're being blown out, maybe he gets some minutes there on the other side of it. But, Tallman, I'll finally I'll finally bring bring you in here, get you a little bit involved. Uh, big, big conversation point that's been coming out the past couple of weeks is that Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton are the only two guys left on the roster from just, what, two, three years ago when we made that finals run. Uh, and we were just talking here uh, before the show or the, the podcast, if you will, about you being supremely optimistic for this team. So are you in the camp of championship or bust? Yes. Well, yes. I think uh, – was that clear? It was yes. The answer was yes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, well, let's open that window. Not this year, championship or bust, because if we don't do it this year – Oh, that's oh. a bit contradictory. Yeah, you just did a double yes. Yeah, so well, no, so that's you, why I was. Yeah, that means it has to be this year. Okay, do I think there there should be favorites to win this year? Yes, I do. But come it's on, like a failure. If they think don't about win it. I mean, you have so you have. That's uh, a better question. What was it? I missed it. Or is it a failure if they don't win the championship this year? Because I'll preface that's, that. I'll, that's I'll really add on to that. Is these guys aren't getting any younger, especially looking at Kevin Durant. And Bradley Beal with his kind of injury history. Of course, Devin Booker is probably still going to be solid for another five, ten years. But let's be honest, Kevin Durant is getting up there and kind of he's on the back end of his career now. So you can't waste any years with Kevin Durant. Yeah, he's on the downturn, definitely. Um, Okay, fine. Yes, 
it's going to be it's championship or bust this season. Yes. Okay. But then the the silver lining will be you have Durant under control for a couple of years. Obviously, you took on that massive Beal contract. You have him tied up for a couple of years, so you're going to have the main three no matter what. But how they filled out the rest of this roster, I yeah, I I think they're going to pull it off. I think we're going to make a huge run. I'm extremely excited for this basketball season, and I think it's going to be great. Yes, I love it, Tolman. I'll say, like, I'm optimistic. I, in a sense, I do think it's championship or bust. When you make these moves, gut the roster and built it back up the way you have, I just, I hope that the our core three, four players can stay healthy long enough to be cohesive, and then on top of it all, still be healthy come playoff time. I, I'm gonna sound like a broken record saying that same type of thing throughout the rest of the off season and even the beginning of the season. In any sport, player health is huge, and the teams that are the most complete at the end of the season are going to have the best fighting chance to win a championship. So I think that's why I I, I don't want to speak for Mike, but I think that's probably why him and I are a bit uh, I don't maybe not pessimistic, but a bit cautious in our expectations for this team and moving forward. And Mike, I want to give you a chance to speak on that a little bit, but also I'm looking at our roster here. I do mention older guys like Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal, and Eric Gordon on that list who have played 10-plus seasons in this league. Uh, But the rest of the roster has five, six, seven, three years of experience, Devin Booker being the next closest at eight years of service in the NBA. So overall, a fairly young roster despite, or aside from the, the three guys there that are a bit older. Does that give you a little bit more hope? I have a lot more hope. Because some of these guys that we brought in are, you know, vested within the NBA game. Now, not all of them have gotten exponential amount of experience on the floor, but you get to see what the ins and outs are of being an everyday NBA player, right? I mean, most of these guys did get decent time, but maybe 10 minutes, maybe 15 minutes, right? You know, they're really kind of backup guys and who are going to be given opportunities oh, man Chris when you say that too it's crazy to think Devin Booker eight years already seems like just yesterday where does the time go it's it's wild and he is just entering his prime it truly is uh you know it's something to just be so excited about if you're a Phoenix Suns fan but yeah I mean going back to the question a big thing that comes with what the Phoenix Suns were able to do specifically within free agent signings is I know a lot of these guys got the two-year minimum type deals, but most of them were with player options, right? So a lot of these guys are flyers. A lot of these guys are the one-and-dones. They're trying to come in here, prove their worth for another NBA franchise, hopefully get us a title, but by next year, they're going to be gone. And you're going to have to do this whole song and dance again trying to fill out the the bench with league minimum guys and that's always kind of a cause for concern I know you have to think of well we have to factor in injuries and it's not just the unknown right injuries are unknown to a certain extent but then there's also the tape and (laughs) just the backing that we have with our main three guys going down every single year like yep Next, we'll have some homework for next uh, next podcast. We're going to take a look at the amount of games missed per season for the past, say, five, six seasons for those guys. 
and it's going to be more than we really imagine, right? So that's where my cautious optimism comes from, I guess you can say, and going back to what you were talking about, Chris, I have very high hopes for this team. I really think this team is really going to be successful. But at this point, man, it's deep run in the playoffs. It's going to the NBA finals, making it to the finals, or it's just not worth it. It's not worth our time or investment anymore. I'm not going to stop being a fan, right? You know, pump the brakes. I'm always going to be a fan. Pump the brakes. But this is where this team is being constructed to go right now, right? So those are the expectations you really have to have, but you still have to put caution to the wind. Yeah, absolutely. You have to temper your expectations a little bit and look at it. Uh, like it's reality, right? You can't be, you have to be objective with it. And player health is a huge concern. I will continue to say that. I had that tweet we talked about last month where Davey called me a doomer when I pointed out the injury struggles of our main three guys. Not so much Booker. He's managed to play at least 70 games almost every season, but Beal. Not last season. Not last season. Okay. He played 53. Only 53. Well, there you go. Well, and I thought the season before he missed a decent yeah, amount of time too, uh, right? Beal only played 50 games last season. Well, yeah, since. Since 2018-19, Beal hasn't played more than 60 games in a season, and Durant hasn't played more than 55 games in a season. So what is that, four seasons worth of them only playing two-thirds of the season at best? It's it's so, cause for concern. Like This isn't NBA 2K build a roster, turn off injuries. On paper, our team is amazing. But when you turn on injuries and you're playing these games, 82 games is a lot, especially when you're in your late 30s and you've been playing for 16, 17 seasons. And you're Brad Beal and you've played 11 seasons, but you've also had some serious injuries and some concerns. And there's there's questions that can be asked of how eager was Brad Beal to come back and play for a Wizards team that was scraping the bottom of the barrel and, and not trying to be competitive. So you would hope that with the prospect of being a playoff contender and honestly a championship contender, that these guys, if they do get an injury, are going to take their rehab seriously and do whatever they can to be available on the court. I mean, you would hope. Any professional, no matter whether you're a bad team or a good team, you're making millions of dollars. You owe it to the fa- your fans to give the best performance you possibly can. But unfortunately, there are those guys out there like the DeAndre Hopkins where they can talk about legacy all they want. But at the end of the day, how much of it is just wanting to get that big contract, secure your family for generations to come? And it's easy for us to be critical of that. And I try not to fall into that trap of, oh, these guys only care about money. Like, why are they if, why are they complaining about making $25 million instead of $30 million? Like, that's still life-changing money for any of us. But you got to look at it, again, objectively in the big picture of how much money these teams are bringing in, the revenue that is out there, and how much of it do the players deserve since they are the product at the end of the day. They are the ones more or less generating that income for these franchises. So... Don't don't want to go diving into that too much, but overall, I think I am. I'm optimistic, but I am also cautious in my approach. I, I'll double down on that. And these moves have been good, uh, but it's it's definitely something that we just need to see the game start to be played before we can truly dive into it and have a good idea of what we we're dealing with here. And again, another guy I think who needs to step up this season is someone we've talked about, DeAndre Ayton. He was recently doing an interview with a TV station in the Bahamas, and he made some comments. I should have pulled up the exact quote, but basically it was that he hears the whole world hating on him. He can feel the hate. He sees the headlines and the tweets and all that, and he's ready to change the narrative This starting this summer. So 
Mike, what is DeAndre Ayton going to possibly do to change the narrative? Well, first and foremost, you got to look. What is the narrative? I need specifics, DeAndre. That he sucks. Well, he- that you hate him? Okay, <laughs> but let's talk about why we hate him, right? That's what I want to know, right? What narrative are you going to change? Are you going to change the way that you prepare? Are you going to change the way that you show yourself and your hustle on the floor? Like that's where Suns fans specifically have had struggles with DeAndre Ayton wondering where the number one pick that we thought coming from the University of Arizona, who was an absolute dominant force, has gone. And a guy who really was a key contributor to our 2021 finals run. Yeah, That guy has been long gone for the past two seasons. And I know there's plenty of things that we can say. Was it because of Monty Williams, his fractured relationship with that? How well did he really mesh with Chris Paul and guys who were trying to hold him accountable to be a key piece for this team and the success of it? That's what I'm saying. What what narrative are we trying to change, DeAndre? Is it just you don't want people to hate you? Okay, well, yeah. like I, I get that, but you need to – I need to know what – what it is that you're trying to do, what is going to change it, what specifically are you looking to change to change the narrative of people hating you. And I know it's the off-season, guys aren't going to dive and go crazy into their personal life, but I guess the only way to really show it is on the floor if the improvements are there and I can't have offensive rebounds and you standing in the bottom corner. Like, those kind of things... If, if we don't see any of that, okay, then the narrative can start to change from that. Yeah. But, you know, it's easier said than done. And if you don't have the mental fortitude to fight through that and do the little dirty work that you're going to need because DeAndre Ayton, you are the fourth option on this team now. I know you are number one overall pick, but you are the fourth option. I know Frank Vogel was talking about feeding him a little bit, making sure that you 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 know you give the carrot to the guy if he gets a good deed, and and I get that, but also you have to make sure that the guys who are really going to lead you to success, who we know are the best basketball players on this team, those top three guys, it's going to be a heavy lo- workload for them night in night out. So you're going to need DeAndre Ayton to hustle on the defensive end. You're going to need him to just be a killer on the boards. And it's just something that we haven't seen enough of on a consistent basis over the past two years. And it's why the Suns have faltered with the expectations that they've had. And I think Frank Vogel is smart enough to understand that getting DeAndre Ayton involved cannot come at the expense of winning games and giving opportunities to our star players who we know are reliable I would have really liked to see DeAndre Ayton expand on that, like you're saying, be accountable, be, you know, show a little humility and recognize some of his shortcomings that he's he's had since he entered the league, or at least the past two seasons. Like you said, that clip of him just standing under the backboard while Jokic tries to get, well, it was Jokic, right? Like two, three rebounds and DeAndre Ayton's just standing there, standing there. And then you, you realize it clicks like, oh shit, I got to be doing something. And it was too late. The, the basket was made and... I, I just think it's things like that where I would have liked to seen him, you know, take accountability and say, yeah, I know um, I haven't always been consistent. I haven't always been as aggressive as I could be. And those are that's how I'm going to change the narrative. But just saying like, oh, I'm going to change the narrative without expanding on how or what is just kind of leaves it like a gray area. Like in his mind, does he still feel like 
all that criticism wasn't warranted and that he is doing the best he possibly can be. And like you said, maybe scapegoating Monty Williams a little bit. Was it the fractured relationship? Was it his usage? Was he not giving it his all? I mean, like I was just saying, like, there's no excuse when you're a, you know, a player in the NBA, especially on a contract like he is, there's no excuse for not giving your best night in and night out. I mean, Tallman, do you think DeAndre Ayton's going to be able to change the narrative and step up this season? We have to hope, right? Um, he's not even supposed to be on this team, guys. Um, remember <laughs> oh, when the, the the Bradley Beal trade came and we basically stole him from the Wizards? We we're like, okay, great, we got Beal, but now we have to get rid of uh, we have to get rid of Ayton so that we can fill out the rest of the roster. There's no way we can have these four players making over $35 million. Actually, I think um, DA only makes $32 million, but... Only. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> we have these max players. We have four max players eating up all the money. Like, he's got to go. He's got to go. So now we're at a point where he's going to be on this team. And honestly, ain't that something? I'm pretty excited about that. That's pretty cool. Because he's got the potential. We saw uh, we saw the playoff run DA, that version, if we can get him back to that. But that's all that's all up to him, man. That's that's the ethic because really it's like you guys have been saying, it's it's his it's his motor, it's his his physicality, it's not there. When you match him up against uh, a Jokic and Embiid, um, Jonas Valanciunas, Shunas, right? Did I say that right? You did. Or uh, then the guy in the Bulls, um, Yusevic, right? yeah. So when you get a when you, I'm not saying Yusevic is a, a a star center, but he's a physical center. When you get him in front of, he's a defensive liability with Jokic and Embiid. He can't he can't guard those guys, but you, when you get him with the physical center, he's he disappears, right? And then when he's on the offense, he's going to be a totally different player this year because he doesn't have that Chris Paul uh, safety blanket. Right, safety blanket. That's not what safety I, net. Safety net. Sure, a blanket works. Um, where someone's feeding him offense. You know, he's got to create his own. But he's a one-trick pony. He doesn't. He doesn't attack the rim. And then what he does the he does this, the hook shot. That's it, right? Well, if he doesn't have a wide open lane to dunk it, he, he is often going to try and do a little a little dink dink rinky dink shot. Yeah, a little hook shot. Yeah, all of his moves are like two dribble and then pull up fade hook shot like that's one of the other things that has been so alarming over the past two seasons whereas like his physicality throughout that finals run was just off the charts I mean on both the offensive and defensive end it looked like his game was expanding but he's taken a step back and I know he wasn't getting the same amount of touches but I thought you're supposed to grow your game <laughs> like exactly. the longer that you're in the league not, not and the longer that you're playing against the best competition like you're supposed to be adding things yeah. to your bag it's not supposed to be decreasing but yeah it's, there's there's those couple times where like you'll see him go up attack the rim and just absolutely slam it in the hoop and you're like yeah where is that energy that physicality we're like oh he's finally figured it out never does it again the rest of the game, you're like, dude, you just literally came in and you fucking posterized a dude. And yeah. you, like, do that again. You're seven foot. Like, you, you can do that every time. 
well, not every time, most of the time, right? Or at least try to do it. Well, Get up there and just body a guy. For sure, more often than he does. And like that's what I'm saying. It seems on the... like he never tries, though. Right. And He's always that's like, I'm going to hook shot or I'm going to pass it back out. Yeah. And I mean, I'd much rather he pass away from a shot he's not confident in than, than do something that he doesn't think is going to be successful. But I'm with oh, you absolutely, there. Like, absolutely. He needs, he needs to understand his size. And when it comes to the center position, there aren't a ton of tremendous talents in the NBA right now at that position. I mean, just off the top of my head, I can think of Embiid, Jokic, maybe uh, Bam Adebayo. Um, and then those other guys you're mentioning, like Vucevic, small center. Uh, those guys, like they they are serviceable, but are they really like star centers in this league? It's like oh, Giannis. Giannis isn't a center though. He, I mean, he is kind of the side. He could play center, but he, they mostly roll him out as power forward. Yeah, I would look at him as power forward. You would, more. okay. Yeah. All right. Um, but those are that again though. That's a great point though. Giannis is a guy that he would likely be guarding. I mean, I think. I mean, Mike would Kevin Durant guard Giannis if we were matching up with him? Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, I think he could possibly, but I, Giannis is he's a different animal. For phys- they call him the freaking freak for a reason, dude. He's just so physical. So you would want DeAndre Ayton to match up with it. But we also saw what happened in the finals against Giannis. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> there's no answer for it. I don't know. But the the yeah. whole point is, and I love what Tallman talked about, where, th- yeah, a narrative could be. He's not physical enough to match up against the best of the best in this league, specifically with Joel Embiid and Nikola Jokic. Like, that's a narrative that you could t- speak to and say, I want to change that as well. I want to be listed as one of the best big men in the game. And a lot of that comes down to what you see on tape and on film. And I don't know, guys. I mean, some of it could just literally be subconscious when it comes to DeAndre Ayton. Like, it's not that he doesn't want to hustle but maybe his brain just switches off <laughs> when the rebound's going up it's I, I am glad that he's getting an up, another opportunity with this team because you know he's a homegrown guy he went to high school here college here should be somebody who can really catapult this team at the end of the day but He's just got to be willing to take the constructive criticism, look himself in the face and say, okay, what do I have to do to change these aspects? And then that will start to change the narrative. So I guess a good thing, the way that we talked about Kyler Murray is recognizing it and speaking to it, which is a good start. But you got to start pushing it forward and start really pulling out your pen and paper, taking your notes, your action items or whatnot. Tolman well, likes that one. <laughs> and move forward and, and see what you have to do to change the true narrative that you want. And isn't that crazy how many parallels we can draw between Kyler Murray and DeAndre And I was literally just thinking about that. Like Both were first round, first picks in their drafts. Both of them came into the league with high expectations. And both of them quite frankly, haven't lived up to those expectations. And now we see Kyler Murray taking the turn. talk. Like I said, talking the talk. He's being accountable for his situation. Is this DeAndre Ayton being accountable for his situation or saying that I'm fine, I'm just going to have to keep doing me and prove the fans wrong? And that's what it seems like at face value. Uh, I mean, he was... He he didn't do this in an interview stateside. 
Um, I don't know exactly if the purpose of that interview was for him to talk about his playing time or just to talk about him in general, but it's clearly on his mind. He's hearing the criticisms and he knows what the narrative is out there about him. And so I just hope, similar to Kyler, that he takes the right angle on it. And instead of blaming everyone around him, coaching staff, fans, whatever it is, he looks inward and recognizes what he has to do to be better and take it to that next level. And I think he has it in him. I I think the coaching change will probably have an impact on it. But if he's not seeing the touches early in the season, is he going to go back to his old ways and kind of become a shell of himself again? Honestly, man, I think he expected not to be on this team. I don't know about you guys, but I mean, I mean, the reason why he's seen all that hate and all that stuff is because he thought he was out of here. And that's the way we all sat around and talked about for the last month, month, two months that he's got to go. He's got to go. Right. So I, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's a, it's a weird, weird change for him. Yeah, that's a really great point. Like he could have been mentally preparing himself to be on a new team, have a new opportunity to rebrand himself, and now he has to try and do that on the same team with a ton of talent ahead of him. So I think that just all ties into him needing to get his head right and focus on what DeAndre Ayton can do to be successful within his role. And we'll have to see. And, and there will be plenty of opportunities for us now to see DeAndre and, and this whole Phoenix Suns team as just earlier this week, uh, they were finally able, the Phoenix Suns were finally able to settle their dispute with Bally Sports Arizona and get into their own TV deal. Um, this article here is from ArizonaSports.com. The Phoenix Suns and Phoenix Mercury announced that they have agreed to a new television contract with Gray Television on Friday by resolving a contract dispute with their former partners at Bally Sports Arizona, who agreed not to match the deal. Arizona Family, that's Channel 3 uh, for anyone local, and the new Arizona's Family Sports Network, Channel 44, will carry all non-national exclusive Suns and Mercury games on their airwaves for free in the Phoenix area, according to a press release. Uh, The team will announce the details of streaming options in the coming months. So I expect that's probably going to be similar to what Bally's had set up. It was like $20 a month to stream all the Suns games, which I don't love it, but I'll pay it. I'm just going to say that. I mean... I think this is great. Uh, I remember we've talked about growing up as kids, being able to see the local sports teams for free on those networks. So this kind of brings it back to that time where it'll be more accessible to us as fans. There's a lot of gripes we've had about Bally Sports and how they did their broadcast. Not so much the actual broadcast itself, but just how inaccessible it was for fans of the team to be able to see that. I mean, if you didn't have Cox Cable or DirecTV, you weren't seeing that games. And as we know, being Valley Sports fans, you can even go out to the sports bar on a Suns game, and there's no guarantee that it's going to be on the TV, even as they're being a successful team. So... I mean, Tallman, I'll ask you this. Is this is this a win for the franchise? It's a huge win. I mean, the more that you can get your product to your local fans, it's an absolute win. And for those people where, I mean, shoot, if there was a Suns game or even now a, a Dimebacks game that I want to watch, I have to go out somewhere to watch it. And like you said, I have to walk in and go, oh, my God, there's Chive TV, Chive TV. Oh, there's Pickleball. Oh, there's a a replay of the golf tournament. Hey guys, can you put on the the Diamondbacks game or the Suns game? And it's it's an ultimate win. Um, so by you saying Channel Three, that means all you need is a TV antenna. That's on free TV, right? Yeah, that's free. Yeah. Okay, great, sweet. I guess I get to save some money. <laughs> 
Yeah, and I don't know as much about this Channel 44. Um, I think it sounds like it's free. Mike, are you are you familiar with that? Not so much. Uh, has it already been created? Like, is it up and running right now? Channel 44? Yeah, it, it's from from what I could tell, it sounds like it's up and running. Um, but I, I've also heard, I think it was Tim Ring or one of the guys, uh, filling in this week when I was listening to Arizona sports is there's, he was saying that there's no guarantee that all, obviously like the nationally, like the ESPN, the TNT games, those probably, it sounds like those won't be broadcast for free on these networks, but it sounded like from what he was saying is like with this Arizona sports TV or whatever it is that some of those might not be free also. So he was, his worry was, is it going to be 30 games we get for free? Is it going to be 50 games? Like we really don't know. I think there's a lot more information we need about this deal. Ooh, that's very interesting. So I guess we need to wait for all the details to drop. But at the end of the day, big dubs, Mr. Matt Ishbia at it again, man. Just incredible. If it can be some kind of service where it's a little bit easier to actually stream off of your phone as well, I think that's big, depending on the price tag and whatnot. But yeah, pull out the bunny ears and watch you a couple of Suns games for free, man. I would take that in a heartbeat, and it's going to open up the door for you know Valley fans who just didn't have the opportunity to watch them before, or or just didn't have the cash flow to pay for another streaming service because we know. We all have a whole bunch of them nowadays. So very, very excited that the Phoenix Suns are coming to the masses for the Valley, man. That's the biggest thing. You got to put your home team product in front of as many eyes in the state you live in as possible because then we can continue to cultivate the culture and hopefully make lifelong fans of some of these kids like what you were talking about where we remember UPN 45 and Al McCoy calling the games, you know, there's a reason that we have such a deep rooted love for this team. And some of these young fans are going to be able to start growing that. And that's exciting at the end of the day. Yeah. I think it just goes to further show Matt Ishbia's commitment to this team and this community and making a lot of smart decisions. I like him as an owner so far. He's shown that he's not He's not unwilling to open up his pocketbook and spend the money. And you can talk about the revenue from having these TV deals with places like Bally's. But I think Ishbia is smart. And I think he's kind of said it, um, you know, not verbatim, but in interviews, basically, that by making this more accessible to the fans, you're enabling your fan base to be more involved and you'll make the money back either through ticket sales, merchandise sales and advertising dollars. Cause there's without a doubt, there's going to be advertising slots on these TV, even on this TV deal for free. So if the numbers come out where there's millions of eyeballs on, on that game, then that's only going to hike up that ad revenue more and, and what they'll be able to bring in. So overall, I think it's just an incredibly smart decision and I'm really excited for it. But tying that into another local team and similar situation, honestly, a lot of parallels today in this uh, in this podcast. But the Arizona Diamondbacks are also free of Val- Valley Sports Plug. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> they're not free of the Valley Sports Plug. They're do not, stuck with us. Do not get it twisted. I'm sorry. Valley Sports Arizona will cease to carry Arizona Diamondbacks games on television after its owner, Diamond Sports, could not agree with the team on favorable terms of a new deal. This came down just this last Tuesday when a judge ruled in favor of Diamond Sports' request to cease operations as the D-backs TV partners, moving the team's broadcast to MLB control immediately. 
And so this, I think, has some bigger implications, from my understanding, for the Diamondbacks than it does the Suns, because baseball teams highly, highly rely on the revenue they get from TV deals to be able to do everything. I mean, there's no salary cap when it comes to baseball. So when you're competing with the likes of the Yankees, the Mets, the Dodgers, who seem to have unlimited payroll versus the Diamondbacks, where they're at the mercy of what they can generate versus what they can spend on players. And I'm sure that Ken Kendrick could spend a little more on the roster than he has. But I think it's it's a little it's cool on one hand because it is more accessible for us to watch. But what is their next TV deal going to look like? Are they going to get on the same page as the Suns and kind of work into this new Arizona sports media group? Or are they going to have to go out and find another broadcast partner to to carry these games? I mean, I'm sure there is another company out there who would do it. But are we going to be back in the same situation next season where the games are hard to watch and you have to have a cable subscription to do it? Uh, is this is this a concern for you, Talman? Uh, well, it's a little different from the Suns because the D-backs, they're not going to be on basic, uh, basic TV. Uh, you still, so you, if Cox, DirecTV, whatever, if you have that, that cable or, um, satellite hookup you're good you're watching it like normal uh, but you still need uh what is it i think it was right now it was like 55 bucks for the rest of the season through mlb uh mlb network uh, or there's a couple other streaming services that are showing them as well so you still got to pay to to see it um thankfully they're nice enough uh for the first week up until today sunday uh, they gave us those games for free on mlb uh on the app on mlb network um it's not on YouTube TV, which I'm pretty upset. So I'm still in the same boat as I was before because uh, I didn't pay for Bally Sports. I don't know about you guys. I wasn't about to do that. Um, well, quickly to jump in, like that's what was so shitty about it is what even if you had the streaming thing that Bally's had set up, you couldn't even watch Diamondbacks games or Suns games because they had it where you only could watch it through the cable subscription and not through the streaming subscription. They'd black it out, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's a win because no more blackouts. It's totally gone, uh, but still, I mean, when there, a blackout hasn't stopped me before. Um, <laughs> so uh, I, I won't go into how I've been watching the Dimebox games. <clears throat> Excuse me, but, uh, but no, great because I think uh, they've been boasting hard on those uh, on the the TV on the telecast. The announcers was it Steve Berthium and uh, Brenly Gonzo. Yeah, um, they've been saying, yeah, now we're reaching, I think they said 5.5 million uh, total viewers. Yeah, I, so I actually have it here. I was looking at this article. It said uh, their reach was 930,000 homes, and it's gone up to approximately 5.6 million look at in that. the broadcast footprint, which is a 506% increase Incredible. in reach. Incredible. So that's a big time win. Yeah, I mean, Mike, just that those numbers alone, 500% increase in potential viewership is... Is that going to motivate this team to continue to be aggressive? And I mean, I, this might tie into some topics we got coming up here, but the, the demon, the demon backs, the diamond backs have some decisions to make with this team. And they do. And we're going to dive in, dive into it here shortly. But I think it should be a motivator. When you have more eyes on your product, you want to be putting your best foot forward and continue to be successful. So people come back to your product, right? That's the biggest thing at the end of the day. I think there's still some kinks to work out because 
what is it? Even if you have the MLB package through their network, it was still like you had to buy an add-on to watch the Diamondbacks. And yep. so obviously mid-season transactions like this, things changing hands, it's going to be a while for everything to really get fleshed out. And like you said, Chris, we need that revenue for the team in order to get players. So I, I I don't see it coming down to the same factor like the Suns where we're going to be able to watch it on, you know, Fox 10 or, or something like that. You know, that that's probably not coming down the pipeline. But if it's easier to find a subscription and say, can I just pay this one price every month and I can watch every single game, that's all the consumer has ever wanted. And... You know, I will give Bally Sports some slack because it seems like most of the problems were coming from the ineptability of Diamond Sports, right? Like that were those were the culprits. And like people were saying, we didn't hate the broadcast. I mean, they've transitioned all those guys who are in the booth over to MLB. Well, for now. We for don't, now. We don't know I think this future. coming week we're, yeah. we're going to hear more about who they keep on and whatnot. But. I mean, they better keep. I mean, you can't. What are you going to kick? Gonzo to the curb, man. I mean, they should definitely keep the same they, guys to finish out the season, they right? Built, and then yeah. you can talk about it next year if you want to. City. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason Tom Leander has been through all the different changes, but he's been with the Suns for you know it seems like 25 years now. You know, you build a repertoire with the people who are talking about your team, and you want to do that. But I could see, like you guys are saying, like if you're setting a new course and changing things up, you can start a new relationship. But I don't think you want to start at mid-season. But yeah, more eyeballs on your product. You got to continue to put your best foot forward. That's what it comes down to, man. Well, and taking that point of putting our best foot forward, that's not something that we, the Diamondbacks, I say we, the Diamondbacks have not done since the All-Star break. I mean, two of seven since the break and six of 14 in their last 20. I I mentioned that the trade deadline is coming up and there for the last month, two months, there's been a lot of talk of, this team needing to add pitching depth both in the bullpen and in the starting rotation. And believe me, we are going to beat that horse until it's long past dead. I still think that's the case. This team is struggling a little bit, but we know what our bats are capable of. So if they have good pitching to back them up, I don't think we're looking at losing six of the last 20 or winning only winning six of the last 20. Uh, my conspiracy theory is, though, that... I could see the team and Mike Hazen using this as an excuse to say, we're not ready to win it this season and we don't want to go all in and give up prospects just to maybe make the wild card. I mean, Tallman, it sounds like you were buying into that conspiracy potentially a bit too. Do you do you think that we're still buyers at this point? Yeah, I mean, you got to be buyers how we stand right now. I mean, I think what we're... How many days are we away from? We're ten days. Uh, no, we're like nine, eight days away from the less than deadline. ten, I think. Yeah, yeah. So w- when you look at it, this team has had way too much success. I mean, right? I mean, it surprised everybody. It's it put a jolt into this fan base. Where I mean, look at some of the attendance numbers we're getting, and it's not because of the free stuff they're giving away. Even <laughs> though you might think it, that's probably what it is, but. But no, it's. I mean, there's people. Everyone's excited again, again about about this uh, baseball team, and that you don't want to believe that the front office is sitting there going, "Hey, well, we didn't think we'd be in the playoff picture at all. So uh, we make a wild card. That's a win for us. 
we'll move on. Like, you don't want them to think that. Like, we've had too much success that they can't sit here and try to improve this team. You know what your weak spots are. Try to fix it. Even if you... Because, I mean, we, we were uh, chit-chatting before we started this about some of the name uh, or targets that we're seeing at the deadline for the D-backs who are linked to the D-backs, which I'm sure we'll probably pick up here soon. But none of them... We're not going out trying to... You know, push all our chips into the center of the table for Shohei. That's not going to happen. We know that. They're not going to give up Drew Jones, even though I think we all agreed. Yeah, I'd give up Drew Jones for someone good to make us win right now. I don't know if Mike agrees. Uh, <laughs> uh, I agreed. I said, Dude, get, get him out of here, man. He he swings a bat five times, and he fucking dislocates his shoulder. Um, but we're not going to see them give up a Drew Jones or a Jordan Lawler, uh, the shortstop, and even a Brandon Fott, too, even though... I mean, he's he's fought like hell to try to stay in the majors <laughs> uh, without getting sent back. But I think it's it, it's it, we know for a fact they're they're not going to get rid of any of those top ten, top twenty guys. Um, so then it's just extremely challenging to prove your team when you're not trying to give up those guys. So the conspiracy you're talking about, yeah, I mean it's. <laughs> I mean, how do you sit here and say, oh, we didn't think we'd contend at all or even lead the division for a handful of days, right? Like that, as they did. So they're going to take this wild card berth, which, I mean, I don't want to jinx us right now, but they're going to take that as a win, a feather in their cap. They're going to move on to next season. And yeah, so I, I are they going to be aggressive? I hope they are. I bet you they won't be as aggressive that we hope they will be. I, I think that's a f- perfect assessment. I think they will probably make some moves, but are they moves that are going to put us into, you know, taking this team over the top and competing with the Dodgers for the division title? And also, are we going to be able to hold on to a wild card spot? It's a very aggressive NL this year. It's a very aggressive league. I mean, everyone is kind of hovering around a similar mark and it's going to be a fight. There's still quite a bit of season left and, I mean, just looking at at guys that we do have already on this roster when it comes to pitching is Brandon Fott got another chance, and it's just clear, man. He is not the answer. It it seemed like there was a glimpse of hope. He made it through six innings, five or six innings, without giving up a run and had six strikeouts, and just as Michael Benjamin was texting me telling me that Fott was actually having a good start, he gives up back-to-back-to-back home runs in the sixth inning. Or the seventh inning, it I think it was. three? Yeah, it was three. Oh he gave up a homer to... I thought it was only two. ...to Friedel, McLean, and Fraley. I guess I must have checked out at that point. Yeah. <laughs> After two, I was like, I'm done. Yeah, uh, so that's rough. He's 0-4 in his professional career within eight one eight one ERA. So just absolutely disgusting. I We've said it before, and I'll say it again. I don't want to see any more Brandon Brandon Fott. He can go tear it up in AAA, but it's clear that he is just not ready for the majors. Like this, this Cincinnati Reds team isn't bad. They're pretty much tracking with the same amount of success as the Diamondbacks have had this season, but they're not world beaters by any means. And to not be able to finish a game that you start so well has got to be frustrating. I'm sure he's more frustrated than any of us are. But it just goes over to the broader point of we need some help. And is that going to be Lucas Giolito? Is it going to be Lance Lynn? Is it going to be Marcus Stroman? Honestly, Mike, at this point, I'm afraid it's not going to be any of those guys. Uh, dude, I think the biggest 
thing that is always eye-opening to me as well in the overall grand scheme of things when it comes down to making moves for teams is we knew what the issue was in May, in early June. We didn't have a solidified starting unit. So why aren't we trying to bring in somebody earlier rather than right at the very end? We knew that we could use another arm or two in the bullpen because we just are still continuing to see these seventh and eighth inning just barrages once our guys come in. And these are issues that have been going on. And I know we have our conspiracies about, well, we didn't really think we were going to be as good as we were this year. We're not going to you know, put all of our eggs in this basket. But you never really know. You have to strike when the iron is hot. Like, we didn't know that the San Diego Padres were going to be as just ridiculously under par as they are right now. I mean, I'm pretty sure all of us, if not two of the, of the three of us, picked them to be World Series champs. You know? I, the Do- I did. The Dodgers are in first place, yes, but you could almost say that they are having a little bit of a down year as well, and they have a lot of pitchers on the IL right now as well. The Giants are surprised, but there's a reason that the Diamondbacks were in first place for a solid month. Why aren't we trying to sure up that stuff on the back end instead of come out a week after the All-Star break and now find ourselves already four games out of the lead? And we got two teams on the heels of us for that wild card spot as well. So if we're continuing on the trend right now, guys, and we don't start fixing some of these problems, we're not going to make the playoffs. And at this point, I know we talked about expectations early before the season. We want to win more games than we lose, right? That's a successful season. You have to change expectations as things go along. So with the success and the early success that this team had, to not make the playoffs would be a travesty, man, at the end of the day. And I know there's still a whole bunch of baseball left. We don't know if there is going to be moves or not. And everybody goes through a slump. I get that. But this has been a severe slump too extended right now. And it puts the Diamondbacks behind the eight ball. So these problems could have been shored up earlier or at least tried to. And it seems like we continue to put the same Band-Aid over the problem, hoping that it's going to change, a.k.a. Brandon Fott. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it's just crazy. I mean, I hope they at least bring in somebody in the bullpen if – they really should bring in another starting pitcher as well. But if they go into the deadline and make no moves for somebody who is going to be some kind of a contributor for this team, not just prospects for the future or whatnot, it'll be a disservice, man. I couldn't have said it better myself. It seems that it's become clear at this point that getting that help out of the bullpen is our number one priority at at minimum, give our starters who are actually having good starts a chance to win and finish games out. And we were, we did have, I don't know if you want to call it luck or just sheer will of the bats being able to carry this team and get us over the hump to win all those games early on in the season. But as the bats have kind of started to cool down, the pitching has been nowhere to try and catch up and get better. And even our starting rotations getting so bad to the point where we're having basically bullpen games where guys are pitching two, three innings. So it's just, it's a complete mess. And to be, maybe play devil's advocate, to be a little fair to Mike Hazen and the organization, you got to weigh the bigger picture. And when you have such a young core, guys like Corbin Carroll, uh, Jordan Lawler, all these guys in our system, 
yeah, it would be great to make a playoff appearance, maybe win that wild card series, get into the ALDS. But then how realistic is it that we're going to be able to make a World Series run this year? Or is it more likely that we're going to be able to do that two, three years down the road with this massive, incredible farm system, like consistently ranked one of the best farm systems, whereas these guys come up and even still, whether they don't make it, whether we end up trading them for pieces once we are ready to be competitive, I think what I'm getting at in saying, you know, playing devil's advocate is you get you trade for a guy like Giolito or one of these other guys. There's no guarantee that they're going to sign with us next season. They they are more often than not expiring contracts. So do you give up a prospect like Drew Jones or any other number one of these guys just for this season to get bounced out in the ALDS best case scenario? No, you can't. It's a hard sell, and it's it's a tough tough game that they're going to have to play because. Like you said, do you give away some of your top best young players in your farm system for a rental player? No, I mean you can't, and it's 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 a hard sell for a lot of people in that front office. I'm sure. Um, I, is it the? It doesn't feel like they think it's the year. It you certainly know, it, doesn't. It really no. doesn't feel like that. Um, as a fan, yeah, I want to see us be. Yeah, you know, go for it. You know, try to try to figure it out. But to sit here and talk about them to actually be contenders to win the World Series. No, I, I don't think that it's going to be this year. Well, um, and it's as hard as it is for me to say that. But just I don't know. But then if you look at uh, the NL, like it's winnable, man. Uh, we we could beat the Braves. They've been slumping. They yeah. Been so Granted, we could beat the Dodgers, but it felt like we haven't played the Dodgers in two months because I don't think we have. But who else? Uh, Brewers are in front. We could beat the Brewers. The Reds are in front of us now because they just kicked our ass over the weekend. But, hey, we were competitive. That's a team that we can beat in a best of seven. I'd, I I would bet my money on it. But I, I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's one of those things. It's... I mean, we're, it's like you want to be impatient. You want it all right now, but really, in in all honesty, maybe it's not this year. Maybe we need to be patient. Maybe we just need to wait it out a little bit. But I, then I agree with you. No, I agree with you. No, go ahead. Oh no, I was gonna say. But then we sit here like, yeah, we don't have one of the best farm systems anymore because a lot of those guys have graduated and they're playing on the team now. We still have decent prospects, right? We have pieces that we could. Actually, we could do. We could clean out our system right now to the Angels and get Otani for half a season, and then the Angels would be like, "Sweet, thanks, thanks for Drew Jones, thanks for Jordan." Granted, that's 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 a really high asking price. We wouldn't give away our those two guys, but one of them, but not both. Yeah, but you could do Lawler. You could give away one of your outfielders that we have starting playing for us right now. Give away your boy Fott, and <laughs> oh please, yeah. <laughs> But that's, Don't entice that's, me. I mean, we can sit here and, and, hey, dreaming's free, man, right? Don't get it twisted. We can sit here and dream all day long, but it doesn't doesn't feel like this this owner, this this front office is going to do something as drastic as that, as go for a star player like that for half a season. And maybe we don't want him to do that. That's, that's a big sell. Yeah, I mean, at, at, at Valley Sports Plug, we tend to speak as you know pretty much from a fan perspective we try and have the nuance and have these conversations about being realistic in the bigger picture but you're right Tom and like we as fans we want to see our teams put the best product possible on the field on the court 
any day that they're playing a game. And it's just, I know with baseball, it's a different animal, a whole different beast when it comes to structuring a roster. And honestly, you're right. I think you said it a bit ago, we have exceeded expectations. And I don't think the organization expected us to be in this position to be having these tough conversations. I think we all expected us to have a better season this year than we have had in the in the recent years. But I don't think any of us expected to be in the conversation of winning the division, let, let alone making the playoffs. Or maybe the other way around, making the playoffs, let alone winning the division. And the fact that we are in that conversation, Mike, you mentioned the Padres. We all wrote them into the best record in the NL. And look what that happened. I mean, and that's maybe a, caution, a tale of cautious tale, tale of caution. When we talk about the Phoenix Suns, where on paper, the Padres looked great. Like they should be a solid team, but they're not. Um, I, I don't want to go back and backwards talking about the Suns, but with the Diamondbacks, man, it's just, it's really tough. I would like them to like to see them make some moves, get some help in there. But if they don't, what does the rest of the season look like? Are we still on a trajectory to be a wild card team? It's not a one game series anymore. It's now expanded to being a three game series. But again, we had that that hot start where we weren't getting swept, we weren't getting shut out, and now it seems like every other day we're getting swept in a series. I mean, we, we dropped it to the Mets, we just got swept by the Reds, and the schedule is not getting too much easier for us. I, I, Tom, I think you mentioned us having not played the Dodgers for a while. I'm pretty sure we got them coming up here in the next month or so. And, and I just think there's going to be a lot of hard decisions to make, but ultimately I think uh, I think some moves have to be made this season and I, I don't I'm bouncing all over the place here but Shohei Otani again dreaming is free like you say there Tallman and we can hope to get him and would that solve two of our problems with one foul swoop it absolutely would but if there's no guarantee that Shohei is going to stay here past this season I mean are we going to be able to pay him that 10-year 1 billion dollar contract or whatever absolutely not so it's just tough man and I I think you know, next season, not next season, next month, we will be having a very different conversation about hopefully what moves were made, if any, and what the rest of the season looks like. Of course, we're continuing to do our bi-weekly recaps of the Diamondbacks, so make sure you're checking that out over on YouTube. Uh, last things, though, I want to talk about the Diamondbacks and kind of this trade deadline stuff coming up. There have been some other names swirling a little bit. We're about to start this series with the Cardinals, and we'll get a really good look at two players in particular, Nolan Arenado and another guy we're very familiar with, Paul Goldschmidt. Tallman, would you like to see either of those guys wearing the uh, white and teal? I would love to see both of them wearing the white and teal. <laughs> but the more I think about it, I mean... Think about the expectations that were coming from every which way for that St. Louis Cardinals team this year. That's, that's a good group of players they have on that team. Um, I, I don't, I don't think that team's just going to be an ultimate seller and get off of a Goldschmidt or an Arenado. I know Arenado. How old is Arenado? He's early thirties, I think. Yeah, yeah. Thirty-three, okay. thirty-four. He's um, no spring chicken, though. Yeah, look at that. Mike's no longer one either. <laughs> Too much sake. Um, but I just because I think um, I think I had the Cardinals being like one of the best teams in the NL too before we the season started. Their last they've their just division. Been, oh, they've been an absolute disappointment. Uh, so do I, I? I just don't see that GM just ripping apart that team because on paper, just like. It'd be like the Padres 
selling at the deadline, even though they're only six games out of the wild card, which they're not going to do. It's just an example. But on paper, that team is it's good. It's good. It's good ball team. So we can sit here and talk about if I'd like to see. I don't. I don't think they get traded. Honestly, that's my opinion. <laughs> well, right now St. St. Louis is ten games Awful. out of a wild card yeah. spot. They're that's not doing good. A massive uphill battle, and and one of the worst teams in the NL right now. I think it looks like there's only three teams worse than them. I could see I could see them being sellers, to be quite frank with you, because I think they're in a similar situation as us. Honestly, they have some decent bats, but their pitching staff is not quite up to par. So I don't know what doing, what adding either of those guys does for this team if we can't resolve the pitching issues. You know, when I look at those guys, I'm kind of on the same boat with Tallman. I don't think I would be mad to bring in both of them. I lean heavily more towards Nolan Arenado. I think he's had a pretty good year for the Cardinals if you're looking at his stats. I mean, batting 291, 21 homers, 76 RBIs, leads the team in everything. Paul Goldschmidt, though, I, I think Christian Walker has been pretty more than serviceable at first base. He did win his first gold glove last year as well, so he's shown that he's not a defensive liability. So maybe you put Goldschmidt in your everyday DH spot. And we know we've kind of had a revolving door at third base right now, and that was one of our spots that we were looking at. Right? You know, Evan Longoria has been okay, although he did go 0 for 4 today. Um, <laughs> Josh Rojas, you know, he had a good start but just hasn't been back. So I think you could plug him in right away and he would be successful. But like you guys said, time will tell, and we'll we will see if the Diamondbacks are truly going for it this year. And that's the biggest question: Are we truly contenders, or is this team a group of pretenders? And I mean that with all due respect, because again, we I can't stress enough: they are still exceeding expectations, even in this slump. This Diamondbacks team is doing much better than we expected, and I just hope they carry the, their momentum no matter what happens. Keep it, keep the high energy, keep this young core together and go into next season swinging and making an impact and continuing the progression towards becoming a better team. And then maybe next year's trade deadline is when we pull the trigger and drain our farm system to go all out on it. Or maybe that even happens in the off season and and the winter meetings. But guys, you know we're going to keep tabs on this. We got you with live streams and recaps coming every week. There's always something up on our YouTube page. Just search Valley Sports Plug and you'll find us. Also, AZ underscore VSP on Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. We'll keep you updated there as well. But before we get out of here, I want to pass it over to the fellas for their last thoughts and anything they might have on their minds. So, Tom, and I'll give you the floor first. Oh, man. Um not prepared for this it's too much pressure spotlights on me um i guess we'll give a shout out to brian Harmon for winning the u.s open his first major win and that'd be the major to win right there um aside from the masters i guess yeah but you know congrats to him um sorry for the guy that farted during his uh his, his tee off shot uh, was it Fr- Francis Molinari? Or yeah, something? yeah, yeah. yeah. Poor guy, pooped himself. I <laughs> uh, did Archie Bradley. Um, but yeah, great weekend of golf. Too bad it started at like two o'clock in the morning, but uh, damn European times. Um, right. But yeah, congrats to him. Very nice, Mr. Benjamin. 
You know, I feel like we might need to start some kind of golf show for Tallman. Because <laughs> I know he bunker golf show. Because I know he wants to chat about it. But we're gonna get some more golf talk going here. But yeah, appreciate y'all rocking with us. Oh, I know we're still kind of in the dry time. MLB just got out of the All Star break, so it's just mid season form right now. The Mercury have been sucking. And our two other favorite teams are in the off season, but football is back in what ten days? Did you say, Tallman? So, Eleven days. Eleven, 11 days to the yes. Hall of Fame is, game is the fake football so game. Football is nice. almost here. We'll have a you know preseason review. We'll have our fantasy football draft live stream coming at Ooh, you guys. Yeah. So make sure you stay tuned. And like always, we appreciate y'all, man. Yes, I cannot stress that enough, especially if you're still listening at this point in the podcast. We thank you so much for tuning in and supporting Valley Sports Plug. And we will continue to bring you content. And let us know in the comments if there's anything you disagree with, if there's anything you want us to cover or talk about. It is kind of the slow months, but in the next couple months, it's going to be ramping up. As Mike said, football's right around the corner. And then give it two, three months, and the Suns will be back in action. So plenty to talk about, of course. But we're going to go ahead and get out of here. We're recording this on July 23rd, 2023, and we will have it out for you in the coming days. Hopefully, you're listening to it this week. I want to thank you all for tuning in. For VSP Tallman and Michael Benjamin, I'm Chris Patrick, and we'll see you next time. Peace.